Welcome to The Real Estate Podcast with Deanna and Shanira, where we provide you with real estate information you want to know. I'm your host, Deanna Reynolds, a seasoned real estate attorney with years of experience helping clients navigate the complex legal landscape of property transactions. And I'm your co-host, Shanira Carter, a licensed real estate agent specializing in residential and commercial properties. Together, we'll be your guides on this journey to empower you in your real estate endeavors. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, an experienced investor, or simply interested in understanding the legal aspects of real estate, this podcast is for you. Today, we're diving headfirst into the world of real estate myths. You know, those popular misconceptions that can often cloud our judgment and influence our decisions when it comes to buying, selling, or investing in property. But fear not, we're here to shed light on these myths and bring you the real deal. Yes, Shanira. So the title of today's podcast is Real Estate Mythbusters. So that's where we're going to be today, Shanira, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So let's start off with our first myth that tackles the idea of the perfect time to buy or sell real estate. Shanira, how many times have you heard that the spring is the best time to list your home? Endlessly, countless times. <laughs> that is that is just the, that's, that's the thing. The, the springtime is the best time. Or how about this one, Shanira? Or you should wait for a buyer's market to make a purchase. Well, folks, the truth is there's no universal right I'm doing air quotes, right right. time, absolutely. market conditions, personal circumstances, and even local factors play a significant role. Remember, real estate is a dynamic field and opportunities can arise at any time. So let's take a moment here. Um, So I know, Shanaria, you were agreeing that a lot of people feel like the springtime is the best time. Can I just ask a question? Why do people think the springtime is the best time? Um... I'm going to say, one, the weather conditions, depending on where you live, right, um, can be a little better. So if you live in the Midwest and you have snow, you don't have to put your boots on, your Ugg boots, um, your winter coat. uh, You don't have to put all those things on going to look at a home. And another theory behind that is around springtime is when a lot of people have received their income tax returns and that money is going to be utilized towards the down payment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, another thing I heard is that sometimes for families who have school age children, they don't want to take their kids out during the middle of the school year. So they want to look so they can use the summer to transition. Absolutely. So with all that being said, does it have to, does it have to be the springtime? Absolutely not. Let me tell you this funny story. <laughs> I I close I close more deals in the winter time than I do in that like early spring market. Interestingly, you, so you know what I've noticed that. <laughs> Shanira is a beast out here, you all. So you know, if you're a real estate agent, you want to be like her when you grow up. <laughs> but why? Why do you do so many deals in the winter time? I have no idea. I I'm really like I actually. So I definitely um, keep a spreadsheet and kind of look at things and like analyze the years and do comparisons just to see. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that it possibly 
the buyers that have started looking like in the summertime or so mm. that they are finally finding something in the winter months because the the you know the theory that people live by like the the springtime and the summertime they kind of like filter off a little bit because kids are back in school schedules have changed mm. so i think it just like opens up opportunity you know in the winter time and they have an easier time finding something very interesting. Yeah. Another thing I hear people talk about a buyer's market versus a seller's market, which gives, you know, the impression that there's a good time to be a buyer and a good time to be a seller. However, you know, we kind of touched on that personal circumstances may dictate if it makes sense for you to wait if you're a buyer or wait if you're a seller. Do you have any thoughts about that? So when your clients come to you and say, Shanira, I'm a buyer, but this isn't the market for me. What, what suggestions or advice do you give anyone in that type of, if they give you that type of question? Mm -hmm. So it is really, like you just said, there are so many variables that are just not concrete. It really just depends on what is going on, you know, at that time. But this is what I will say. And, and different markets are different, but I'm speaking in terms of the market that I sell real estate in, in the Chicagoland area. When it is a seller's market, right, um, when, when inventory is out, um, when interest rates drop, when things of that nature take place, we kind of flow into a seller's market. Why? Because interest rates are lower, so more people are qualifying for loans because of the rates being lower. And those that do qualify are qualifying for more. Hmm. So now we have more buyers out with less inventory and there's more competition for the inventory. Hmm. And that's what drives the seller market, the seller's market It's the demand with the limited supply. But hmm. on the flip side of that, rates are lower, more people are out. So when different things happen where there's more inventory, rates might not be so low, you have less buyers out, and then you have more choices and you have more negotiations. So it really just depends on that market and what's going on. Very interesting. You are a very knowledgeable real estate agent, and I think it's now time to, for us to go into myth number two. Sounds good. So let's... Okay. So... um. The assumption that all real estate agents are created equal. This is this is big for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is huge for me. So, spoiler alert, they're not. They're really not. Um, just like any profession, there's a spectrum of expertise, of specialization, and dedication. And when choosing an agent, <laughs> so so very important. I'm going to say that again. When choosing an agent, it's essential to find someone who aligns with your goals, understands your needs, someone who listens to you and brings the right expertise to the table. Someone who understands it's not about them, it's about you. So don't settle for the first agent you come across. Do your research and find the perfect match. You know what, Shanera, let me just give my two cents right here. Um, as a real estate attorney, I am very fortunate to work with a very wonderful and dedicated group of real estate professionals, and that includes real estate agents. And 
not to play favorites, but Shanera <laughs> is one of the best on the block. Oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> With that being said, there are others who probably need some enhancement. <laughs> I always believe in improvement. So what does that mean for you as a real estate buyer, a real estate seller, or a real estate investor? We are all now in a place where we go straight to the internet. Don't necessarily just choose the first name that you see. Mm-hmm. Real estate for a lot of people is, if not personal, there's a lot of personal skills involved. So if you know you need someone who is going to, you know, be compassionate as well as be educated and knowledgeable in that area, you need to kind of interview to see if there's a personality fit. That, of course, goes hand in hand with someone who's knowledgeable in the field. So to my real estate agents, um, I actually had the opportunity to sit for the real estate test. So I know what what it is you all learn. But there's a lot of things that are not on the test that would make you a good agent. And some of that Mm -hmm. is quite a bit. And we do have a coming podcast on tips and tricks for being um, the best agent. But for my agents, you will have to seek other sources to become the type of real estate agent you want to be. So with that being said, I'm kind of saying not all real estate agents are created equal. No, they're not. Shanira, you probably have thoughts about this. <laughs> um, I do. So, you know, I come in contact with a lot of realtors um, and I'm in transactions with a lot of realtors. And um, it is it, so I'll say this. It's no different than um, you choosing your doctor, you choosing um your nail technician, your hairdresser, um, your your esthetician, your um, <laughs> your dentist, <laughs> you know, your attorney, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it they may all have the um, what I'm gonna say credentials to hold the title, but that does not mean that they're going to have your best interest at heart that they're going to bring the knowledge that you need because everything real estate is such a dynamic industry that everything is not just cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. There are so many different situations that take knowledge, expertise. And even if you don't have the knowledge and expertise, have the ability to go get what you need to be able to service that client, you know, to their best interest for them. You know, you're putting your best foot forward. And it's an industry sometimes where um, it's a lot of selfishness, I'm going to say. Mm. It's, it's, it's not about the client. Like the client, you know, when you come from a customer service perspective, mm-hmm. the client comes first. Mm-hmm. It, it's about the client. And it's an industry where people are worried about their coins more than they're worried about the best interest mm. of the client. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that you understand the morals and valuables of the person that you're choosing because it's a it's a life-changing decision for you. So you want the best players at the table. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you did mention coins, Shanira. So I think it's time now to get into our next myth. The bigger the down payment, the better. 
Now let's debunk the notion that a massive down payment is the only pass to a successful real estate transaction. Now it's true while a substantial down payment can certainly offer advantages like lower monthly payments and reduced interest, it's not the only way to make a deal. Many factors such as your financial situation and long-term goals should influence your down payment decision. Sometimes a smaller down payment might make more sense allowing you to invest your funds elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So today's topic is not about different type of loan products, mm-hmm. but just the, the myth is, is that you need a lot of money. Right. You may qualify for something called an FHA loan, where you would only have to bring in 3% of the purchase price. Three and a half. Three percent. and a half. That's why she's a girl. <laughs> Three and a half. So, you know, some people think you automatically need 20% down, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So, Shanair, I'm going to just leave that myth here because we are going to have a whole, you know, subject about loans and money, et cetera. But -hmm. just want to debunk the myth that you need 20 percent or a large amount of money. Any 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 brief thoughts on that one? Yeah. So, no, you don't. And there's um, they have different programs. There's down payment assistance programs, um, all of that. But in terms of like how much you need down for the. Um, down payment, I'm going to just debunk this myth too. Conventional. People automatically think you got to put 20% down with mm-hmm. a conventional loan. They have 3% down conventional loan products if you qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to qualify for the 3% down. So I'm saying that to say that you don't need a huge amount down. And then I'll have clients come to me and say, okay, well, I'm only required to put um, – my three and a half percent is only seven thousand dollars. I'm gonna put more down. I'm gonna put fifteen thousand, and I'm like, okay, it knocks thirty five dollars off your monthly payment, <laughs> right? <laughs> so for me, for me, um, from a uh, just after you close perspective, I am going to say I'm. I advise my clients put the minimum amount down. And you can pay more to your monthly mortgage to bring that principal down. You can turn a 30-year mortgage by putting $100, paying $100 more a month, you can turn a 30-year mortgage into a 22-year mortgage. And if you put more, you can turn it it into a 15-year. So put the minimum amount down. Leave your money, like Deanna said, to either invest or for a rainy day. Because please believe me when I tell you, Rainy days do come. Yeah. Okay. So have your money there so that if something happens, you're not in a situation where you don't know what you're going to do or you have to put yourself in more debt to try to deal with the issues that are happening. Oh, that is a perfect transition into our next subject, which is about spending money. (laughs) Renovations always increase property value. Oh, renovations. (laughs) So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So the myth is that there's a surefire way to increase the property value with renovations. Interesting, right? And, and, And this is what I will say. So well thought out renovations can indeed boost the home's worth. Not all upgrades yield the return that most people are looking for. Yeah. You really have to do your research before you do things. So before you start 
knocking down walls and installing that extravagant spot bathroom and that sauna in the basement. You know, consider what improvements align with your property's market and neighborhood. Very, very important because overspending on renovations that don't match the market can end up costing you more than you'll gain. And you'll sit on the market because there is no comparables to what you're trying to sell your home for, but you need to get your return back on your investment. Absolutely. I've done a little flipping, not a lot. I don't hold myself out to be a flipping expert, but for the flips I have done, you have to think about the community. You do not want to over-improve for the community. So if you are in an area where these are modest single-family homes, it probably doesn't make sense for you to put a jacuzzi in the basement. It probably doesn't make sense for you to put in wolf appliances in the kitchen. These are all beautiful things, but as an investor, you want to receive the return on your investment. And by doing so, you would want a higher price. Right. But by having a higher price, you're pricing yourself out the market and you are not getting the offers that you want. So you have to look at the neighborhood to make sure that what you're putting in is going to give you that the return that you want. Absolutely. Now, for your personal home, if this is where a place you're going to stay a long time and you're not interested in making a return, those are things personal for you. So yeah. in my home, we've done quite a few renovations and there are probably things in my house that no one else cares about. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not thinking about the other person. I'm just trying to be comfortable in my own home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, that's a sunk cost. It's, it's a large amount of money. And you have to think of it in, from two different perspectives in terms of what you value versus what another person values. And sometimes that gets sellers in trouble. The sellers have done all of these personal renovations and upgrades, and they spend a lot of money on maybe some custom blinds. And they feel like, well, you know, 10 years ago, I paid, you know, $15,000 for those custom blinds. Sorry, sis. Right. <laughs> you ain't going to get that back. It is what it is. <laughs> but That's what it could do is help someone choose your home faster because you have, you know, elements and different things, characteristics and things going on with the home that other homes do not. So it may, like, spark the interest. You may have more people interested. But as far as, like, increasing the value just because it's there, nah. Yeah. 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 Well, let's go into another one, a big one, Shanera, um, as a real estate agent. And one is location is the only thing mm -hmm. that matters. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so let's tackle that misconception. Um, the misconception that location is the sole factor driving property value. Not true. So, yes, location is undeniably crucial, but it's not the only player in the game. A variety of elements such as property condition, local amenities, market trends, all of those things can significantly influence a property's value. And so we've seen cases where properties in less desirable areas, quote unquote, have appreciated <laughs> Due to changing circumstances, proving that it's not always about the zip code. It's just not. Tell us about that, Shanira. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. So we always hear location, location, location. Mm -hmm. And we're debunking that myth by saying that, you know, location is port important, 
but it's not the only factor. So one of the last things you said is that sometimes, you know, in certain areas, it may appreciate. Mm -hmm. So, and if you haven't picked up, we're, we work (laughs) and our practices are in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. And just like many major cities, uh, Chicago goes through gentrification. Yes. Due to certain projects, certain businesses, government um, incentives, Mm -hmm. certain areas increase in value. Mm -hmm. So a location that was probably less desirable 15, 20 years ago is a hot area. Yeah. So in Chicago, (laughs) there used to be an area um, in the southern south of called the South Loop. And back in the day, it used to have, um, was it homeless shelters? Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't an area you want to be. Now these properties are mm-hmm. one to $2 million yes. plus. Housing projects, everything. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and you can think in your city areas where maybe there were considered less desirable. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that location may have not been best. But I do understand not everyone can sit in an area that they deem unsafe to mm-hmm. wait for it to appreciate. Right. But, you know, depending on your personal factors, maybe location isn't the first thing you consider. But, Shanara, you're the, you're the real estate agent. You tell us more about that. I mean, so it, it, it really just depends on um, where you are. Location is important um, for you as the buyer, like from a, from a comfort perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, Location is definitely important, Um, but Chicago and the Chicagoland area and other places may be like this as well. It's a block by block situation in Chicago, right? And so one block can be amazing with like homeowners that have been there for years who manicure and take care of their homes and Mm -hmm. their lawns and two blocks over, it could be a war. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, it's it's a block by block situation. It's where your comfort level is. And and also like uh proximity, so many things play a part. Like maybe uh it's quiet, it's it, it's um it's a more quiet neighborhood for you. You have more land space if you go out to like the Cook County suburbs. But then going to work and commuting is going to take you an hour and 30 minutes in traffic. Yeah. So there's so many different things that play variables, right? The big thing is schools, too. School systems, for sure. Because if you're in the city, um, sometimes your neighborhood school is not always the most desirable school. Mm -hmm. But most places have have a workaround to that where you can still put your kid in a decent school and not have to travel far. So it's just so many different uh, variables that take place with location, but um, making sure you're not buying the most expensive home on the block in terms of location is important too. But, but as far as location is concerned, um, I am going to say it is important, but it is not the most important factor, but you do have to be comfortable. So it's really up to what you need, what you desire. Yeah. Check out a few areas. Yes, absolutely. So everyone, audience, we've debunked debunked some of the most common real estate myths that might be holding you back. Remember, knowledge is power in the real estate world. So arm yourself with accurate information to make informed decisions. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Real Estate Podcast with Deanna and Shanira. So that is the Real Estate Podcast with Deanna and Shanira. And stay tuned for more mist-busting insights and so much more. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, I have been Deanna Reynolds and she has been Shanira Carter. All right, well, we will hear, you'll hear from us next week. All right, be good. Happy real estate hunting.